Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Blitz Podcast. I am your host, Sam Daring. My other co-host, Jeff Anderson, will not be joining me today. And, you know, we, we did talk about the idea of, you know, splitting up two different podcasts, podcasts every week, one for college and one for NFL, which we are still doing, just not together. You know, Jeff and I are busy people, man. He's still in school. He's interning now. He just started interning for the Green Bay Gamblers, um, a hockey team out in, out in Green Bay. I'm writing a lot for the Nittany Lions Wire. I'm also working right now for the team store, the Milwaukee Brewers. We're about to get swapped for the playoffs. I'm very excited for that one. But what we're going to do is I'm going to be taking over the college football side of things, and Jeff is going to be taking over the NFL side of things. I know we haven't recorded in, recorded in a few weeks here, um, but, you know, Jeff's going to have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. But let's get further into this for college. So, you know, instead of talking about the previous week, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk about what has happened and transpired, you know, through the first couple weeks of the college football season. So I'm going to start off by talking about the most surprising team, the most disappointing team. A team to watch this week, I guess matchup to watch this week. And then I'm going to end with a draft prospect, both offense and defensive player to watch. And, you know, since we didn't get deeper into Heisman, I'll, I'm going to name a dark horse Heisman candidate. I think he's the best quarterback in the country, but I'm going to save that for the end of the episode. Um, so let, let's start off with the most surprising team. You know, there's a lot. And I think you could make a pretty decent list. Uh, but the one I want to talk to talk about today is the Michigan State Spartans. Now, I've, I mean, to me, this is not really a bold take. But I think Mel Tucker is the best college, college hire in recent years in college football. Mel Tucker came in about two, three years ago. He, ex- he knew exactly what he was coming into. <laughs> they had Rocky Lombardi last year. I believe he's at Northern Illinois now. Um, he turned this team around in a span of, you know, two to three seasons, which was unbelievable. And last year, you know, the team comes in last year, I believe they almost beat Michigan last year. Uh, Actually, I think they did beat Michigan last year, but you know, a very short turnaround in terms of a rebuild, like they are now, they're the 11th ranked team in the country. And, you know, the big 10 as a whole started, didn't start off too hot. Um, you know, obviously the, the Badgers, they're coming in ranked 12 and now they're one and three, just coming off a loss against the Michigan Wolverines. But the big 10 looks very good right now. You have Michigan state at 11, you have Ohio state at seven, Penn state and Iowa, Penn state's four, Iowa's, Iowa's three. Like the big 10 looks very, very good right now. And what, what was interesting to me is. Northwestern's quarterback, it's not Ryan Holinsky. Ryan Holinsky is a South Carolina transfer. He didn't start until I believe it was last week um, when they had, you know, shut out their opponent. But what I found interesting was Michigan State, like coming into the game, Michigan State was the last team in the Big Ten to to officially announce their starting quarterback. Um which, you know, it was interesting. And they announced their quarterback, you know, a, a hours, like hour or two before kickoff. And it, obviously it ended up being Peyton Thorne. 
And Peyton Thorne has been nothing short of impressive. He's in the top 15 for touchdowns. He's got a 77.9 QB rating. But, you know, the guy that I think everyone's going to be keeping their eye on and everyone should be starting to keep their eye on is he's a he's been flying up these draft boards. That's a Wake Forest transfer. He's been at Wake Forest for the past two seasons. He is now at Michigan State. And he has quickly, very quickly put himself on the map. Through the, through the first three games, Kenneth Walker III matched his, dang, damn near matched his career numbers. And, you know, we are through the first five weeks of the season. He's on pace to get over 1,000 yards. He had 579 yards his first two seasons at, at, at Wake Forest. He's got 680 yards and eight touchdowns. Like, he is well on, he is on pace to, you know, crush his career numbers. He's, he's, he's already got his career numbers. Um, you know, Kenneth Walker is that powerhouse back. We talk about Brees Hall being that guy that's t- absolutely tough to take down. If you watch plays of Kenneth Walker, that is absolutely him at times. He's an absolute menace. He is a power back. He's very, very elusive, very nice acceleration, very like a lot of elite speed. And if you want to talk about a guy that, you know, at times is very tough to catch. It's absolutely Kenneth Walker. And, you know, I was watching a little bit of film yesterday on the running backs. I was watching Jerry and Ely and, you know, I was watching a little bit from last season, how much he's grown. I love Jerry and Ely's speed. Ole Miss is running back. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of his elusiveness. The big thing for me is, you know, he did struggle at finding those open holes at times. Um, but, you know, Jerry Neely has certainly, um, you know, not necessarily taken the college football world by storm, but he's had a pretty exceptional debut, I should say, you know, start for the first few weeks of the college football season. So my most surprising team this year, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, you could go, you could go Michigan State, you could go, you could go Iowa. You could say Penn State, but I also feel like a lot of people not really expected them to be this good, but they ex- a lot of people expected the Nittany Lions to bounce back. Um, you know, another team that is surprising. I shouldn't even say surprising because I think that, to me, I think they're the most overrated team in the country. And, you know, I promoted this for a while now with Jeff and Jeff and I didn't get the chance to talk about this. I just want to talk about Spencer Rattler very quickly. Um, Spencer Rattler is moving down on my QB list. He was in the top three. He's very close to not even being in my top five, which might be bold. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of analysts, a lot of experts love, love, love. Spencer Rattler's, um, you know, upside potential upside in the NFL, and I believe it is very high. Um, I'm not going to tell you who my um, number one quarterback and my top quarterback because he is unbelievable. And I'll give you one hint: and he didn't play that he didn't even play this Saturday. So uh, that's the only hint I'm going to give you. But you're going to have to listen to the rest of this episode. Uh, but yeah, man. So let's let's go deeper into this. And so my. I think Oklahoma is the most overrated team in the country, right? And, you know, they the only team they blew out was their second week. They shut them out like 62 to 0 or something. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett, a walk-on from Georgia, could have put up those numbers. Stetson Bennett didn't play. Or when Stetson Bennett played against UAB, he threw five touchdown passes and broke the schooling record, which is unbelievable. 
Stetson Bennett could have put up those numbers against, I think it was like Western Carolina. But if you look at all of these wins, they're barely winning. They are barely winning. They they lost to Oklahoma, lost to Kansas State last year. They beat. They should have beat them by at least two possessions on Sat last Saturday. But Kansas State came back in crunch time and garbage and garbage time, I should say, in, in garbage minutes. And I believe that I mean they only beat them by a possession. They only beat West Virginia by three points. Three points, 16 to 13, two weeks ago. And what did the people chant? The people chanted, We want Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, if none of you are, if some people aren't familiar, he's a freshman on campus this year. Lincoln Riley has had immense, immense, immensely high praise for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has seen the field at least like two or three times like this season already as well. And people, People after the West Virginia game were chanting, we want Caleb. Oklahoma only beat them by three. So, I mean, I could I could spend my entire 30 minutes talking about this and talking about how Oklahoma should not be a top five team. And they're not anymore. I believe they're six right now. Uh, because one, two, and three, the top five right now, as of today, are Bama, Georgia, although I think that should be switched around. Three is Iowa, four is Penn State, and five is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Oklahoma six. And, you know, are they a top 10 team? Yes. But do they deserve to be in the top four? No. And, you know, this is a team also as well where they're undefeated, but they're still on pace where they're not. They're the number six ranked team in the country where they could win it. Wait, they could win out. They could go undefeated, win the Big 12, and still end up in the top four somehow. So that is my take on Oklahoma. I want to go to a team that has been very, very, very um, you know, disappointing. And there's a few teams you could go with here. Um, I think you could go with a team... Um, you know, like an Auburn, like a Texas, like an Ole Miss. I'm going to say USC on this one. And, you know, people might be, you might be listening to say, what Sam, like USC, they just fired their, like, give them a break. They just hired, they did, they just fired Clay Helton a few weeks ago. They brought in Dante Williams and which Dante Williams isn't a bad interim head coach to have. And I, I want to talk about USC because USC consistently has the talent. They historically recruit very well. What blows my mind is I remember last year, Keaton Slopus was like this top three run, like top three quarterback in this draft class for 2022. He's still good. I know Jeff is very, very high on him. I like him. He's not in my top five. Um, I, if I remember correctly, I think Jeff, I'd have to ask him, but I think Jeff thinks he's going to be a first round pick, which I don't think he will be. I would be curious, depending on who they hire as their head coach, to see if Keaton Slovis stays a year at USC. And, you know, obviously USC has lost their top talent the past two years. 2020 draft, they lost Michael Pittman Jr. They also lost Amon Ross St. Brown in this past year's draft, um, as well as Tyler Vaughn's. 
But if you want to talk about a guy that is even rising into the first round, it's Drake London. And I've seen him mocked all over the place. I've seen him mocked as early as the first round to the Green Bay Packers. And I think a big reason why we're seeing receivers here is I think a lot of people are assuming either one, Devontae Adams is going to leave, or two, MBS and Al Lazard are going to leave. So I've also seen George Pickens, and he's my wide receiver one in this draft for 2022. So USC to me is a team that just never really meets expectations. I think you can continue to see, you know, I think you can continue to, you know, put this team on the radar as a disappointing team every year, right? And I mean, they they lost thirty. They they won the they won their first game. They started off their first three games, uh, two and one. And I believe it was like they, they fired Clay Helton, you know, sometime last month. Um, I, I might have been the I, I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was shortly after they lost to Oregon State 45 to 27. Um, but, you know, it's not like Keaton Slovis has been bad. Right. I mean, Keaton Slovis is still a very good quarterback and he he's still a good quarterback. He has average numbers, but like just the growth, the growth of some of these Pac-12 quarterbacks have just been, you know, not really meeting these expectations. So. I really think if Keaton Slovis is smart, he stays a year. But I think part of that, in my opinion, is going to depend on who they hire as their head coach. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, Urban Meyer. I honestly think they're going to give Urban Meyer another shot. They're, they're going to give him one more year. I'm not going to discredit the fact that it doesn't look good over there in Jacksonville. But, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy that... I've always been someone that firing a coach after one year is never the right move. And, you know, because that is not enough time to turn a team around. And I think the one exception to that is Adam Gase, because that is ridiculous. And, you know, I'm going to continue, though, though, every time I bring this up, I'll say this very, very briefly. And I'm going to, I want to say Steve Wilkes and the Arizona Cardinals. Steve Wilkes is the DC over at Missouri. Um, he might even be close to a hot seat guy, too. Um, but you know, to me, Steve Wilkes, defensive minded coach, um, this was before Cliff Kingsbury was hired. This, this was, you know, right after, shortly after Bruce Arians left, Steve Wilkes was there for a year. He had Josh Rosen as his quarterback and no one else around him. Steve Wilkes was set up for failure. And that is a big reason why. And I think a lot of it, yes, a lot of it, sure. It does depend on which team, what the team that you're going to USC is historically a good program. If you want to talk about a team that is historically, you know, produces well NFL draft, like pro, draft prospect wise, you know, in the Pac-12, USC is near the top. USC is one of, if not the best. It is between them and Oregon. Um, so USC to me is my disappointing team. Um, I, I like I like Keaton Slovis. I think if he were to enter, I think he would be a day three pick. I don't think he'd be drafted in the first three rounds. USC has not been good. And, you know, they did lose Stephen Carr. Uh, Stephen Carr transferred to Indiana to play for the Hoosiers. Indiana is not a running offense. Indiana is a very, very big passing offense. They lost Stevie Scott, their top receiver, excuse me, top running back, um, you know, later, later on, um, or actually, excuse me, after last season. 
And Stephen Carr's been their big man. So USC, yes, sure, they've lost a lot. They also bring in Brew McCoy, which, you know, the story of Brew McCoy is really interesting. Uh, you know, a guy that committed to Texas, decommitted, excuse me, USC, decommitted, went to Texas, decommitted, went back to USC. I don't recall the order of that. But he basically was in the transfer portal like twice. Um, but, you know, he had a lot of high praise on him in high school. And I'm hoping he can really, really um, show out for the Trojans here. But USC, to me, is my disappointing team. Not that I really expected him to be in like this top 15, but I ex expected them to at least be, you know, in the bottom five of the top 25 rankings. And they're three and two. Um, you know, they're, they're coming off a win over the win over Colorado, 37 to 14. They're at home against Utah. And, you know, Utah has kind of been disappointing. I think you can kind of consider that. But Utah also lost a lot throughout the years. They play Utah, and then they play Notre Dame. And so their schedule is very average. I mean, it's it's if you look at the rest of their schedule, they could have a potential winning record. But their last two games are where, is where it's going to get tough. Sure, UCLA is not ranked, but they're still a good team. Chip Kelly has turned that team around. UCLA and the number 10 team, BYU, um, who have really, really, really impressed me this season as well. But USC Trojans, that's my uh, that's my disappointing team for this for the first couple weeks of the season. Now, you know, before we end things here, before we go on to draft prospects, let's talk about a game to watch for this week. And, you know, I, it's really hard for me to pick one, so I'm going to go through two of them for you very, very quickly. The first one is Georgia-Auburn. Um, you know, I say this because Jeff and I have been hyping this up for a while. We're, we're, we've been hyping it up, at least try to a lot this week, because I've got a bet with Jeff. I think Bo Nix... I I mean I think I think Georgia is going to beat Auburn be by more than how they beat Arkansas. This is a boomer bust year for Georgia, and you know if obviously like the history of Georgia throughout the past few years, even like going back to the Jake Fromm, the Jacob the Jacob Beeson years, they're a top five team, but they always disappoint halfway through the year, and there's always that one upset that pushes them back out of the college football playoff. This defense is unreal. Georgia is probably going to have at least six or seven guys drafted within the first two rounds. Um, and, you know, this this team is unreal. And Jordan Davis, after last season, was seen as a top er, – as a third-round pick. He's mocked in several first rounds. Hell, I've, I've even seen him drafted in first, round, in first rounds last year. Georgia had a lot of guys come back. You know, their big guy that they lost – on the defensive side of the ball was Monty Rice. Big loss, but they've also really turned themselves around by, you know, bringing in Tyke Smith, Darian Kendrick, um, Jordan Davis is back. Jordan Davis is a 300-pound machine. He's a mountain of a man. He He's extremely quick for his size. He is so much fun to watch. And now he's graded as this first-round guy. You look at all these mock drafts, I would say 75% or more, you're going to see Jordan Davis in the first round. Um, 
So as you all know, I'm from Milwaukee. Jeff lives in Green Bay. He's going to school at UW Green Bay right now. So our bet is this. I th- I have if if Georgia beats Auburn, which I think they're just going to annihilate them. They're going to they're going to clobber them. Jeff has to come to Milwaukee. And you know, we're going to record a live show and Jeff's going to tell me that he was wrong. But if both picks in the Auburn Tigers beat Georgia, I will make the trek, the two-hour trek down to Green Bay. I will shake Jeff's hand, and I will say, Jeff, man, I'm sorry. But like I said before about the Bulldogs, man, this is a boom or bust year for Georgia. They have all the talent in the world. This team is incredible. Like, they, they are scary. I honestly think that they should be the number one team in the country. I was very close to saying Alabama. I, I've, I've said this for a while. Alabama's in their own tier. Georgia's in their own tier. There's no one ahead of them. And, you know, I keep telling people it doesn't matter who three and four is. I just think it'll be interesting to see who three and four are. But ultimately, the the, the, the national title game is going to be Alabama and Georgia. And, you know, my best one of my best friends, Mr. Logan Cunningham, we've had him on before, big Marquette guy. Um, he, <laughs> he thinks Georgia is going to lose in the SEC title game and Georgia is going to win the national title game. So if that happens, <laughs> I will come back here and say, I told you so, but you know, I, th- I, th- I don't see them losing two in a row, whether they win the national championship or not. I don't see them losing two in a row to Bama. Um, you know, that team is just so scary. Um, but that's my first one. Um, I, I have another bet with Jeff. I'm waiting on his reply, but I think both picks, I think both picks gets benched for TJ Finley. I think, I think it should be the TJ Finley show over at, um, over at Auburn. My second one is Penn state versus Iowa. Now, as you all know, I write for the Nittany Lions wire. I try not to be biased. And if you look at ESPN now, Iowa has a 59% chance to win versus Penn State's 40. And if you look at both schedules, the strength of their schedule is very, very similar. Penn State, to me, hasn't played anyone. They haven't, Auburn, to me, has been their only competition. If the Badgers were good, I would say the Badgers were a much better competition. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. I see this both ways. I personally feel that Penn State does not belong in the top four. But at the same time, who are you putting above them? Because I think it's tough to make a case for Cincinnati, even though I would love to make a case for Cincinnati. And you can't make a case for Iowa, or not, excuse me, Ohio Ohio State. They lost to Oregon. And... You certainly shouldn't make a case for the Big Twelve, and and not I mean I'm not just not just Oklahoma, but no to me no Big Twelve team belongs in the top four. No Big Twelve team belongs in the top four. The top four, unless you're a team like Clemson, who their dynasty's done. Paul Feinbaum is absolutely correct, but unless you're a team like Clemson in the ACC, this is a Big Ten and an SEC top four. Um. But obviously you have Cincinnati at five. I think it also depends to like who these, you know, non-power five teams are playing, right? 
you know, Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter to me is he's a top five quarterback in the draft. He is, I'm very close to putting him in my top three. I've got him at four. Um, I'll name my top five for you all at the end of the show, but ultimately, I ultimately believe that this is going to be a defensive shootout. Iowa has the seventh ranked defense in college football, meaning they have the best defense in the Big Ten. Actually, I think they're right behind the Badgers. Penn State's defense has been absolutely impressive. But if you go over to their offense, there's a lot of inconsistency on their offense. Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford was never this good up until their new offensive coordinator, Mike Yurkich. New and revamped offense, new playbook. And now look at now look at Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford said that before the season started that he feels like he's the most confident quarterback in the country. Um, as of like a week or so ago, 247 Sports had Sean Clifford as the second best Big Ten quarterback, which they're absolutely right. I believe it was CJ Stroud that was right above him. Um, but here, here, here's my thing is if Penn State wins without having a gutsy performance, then I will say, okay. I understand why Penn State belongs in the top four. And that that's that is why I see it both ways, is because it, it is it is hard to make an argument that who you would replace Penn State with. Don't get me wrong, Penn State has been absolutely um very, very impressive. And I'm very close at putting Jahan Dotson in my top five receivers. Um, I've got him at six. I've got Pickens at one, Burks at two. Alave at three, Garrett Wilson at four, even though that is very tough. Justin Ross at five, Jahan Dotson at six, Drake London at seven, David Bell at eight. No. And the list just goes on and on. But, you know, Drake London and Jahan Dotson, I think, are also very close because Drake London has definitely soared his way up the boards. We saw Jahan Dotson last week in his first ever mock draft in the first round. The Draft Network, Jordan Reed, mocked him at 31 to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, ultimately... I do think this will be a defensive shootout. Look for our predictions, our staff predictions over at the Nittany Lions Wire tomorrow. Ultimately, I think this will be a defensive shootout. I We saw a lot of promise last week against um, Indiana at State College for the Nittany Lions, um, you know, in their run game, right? I mean, if you look at, if you watch Penn State all year, a run game is has never been something that's clicked for them. They were awful against Wisconsin in the run game. They just never clicked until late in the game when they kept on feeding the ball to Noah Kane. But it was more than just Noah Kane that popped that, that showed out last week against Indiana. It was Noah Kane, and it was Kevon Lee. And once Kevon Lee finds that open hole, he has very, very impressive elite speed and acceleration. Um, so Kevin Lee, it's not just last week that he's done that. He has done that all season, and he's a very fun guy to watch. But ultimately, I think I was winning this one 20-10 in a defensive shootout. So I want to end before I tell you who my quarterback one is in the 2022 draft class. I want to end with a prospect to watch on both the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Now, the first one is a guy that I have named before. I've talked about him before last year. I've had very high praise for him both on our podcast and over on Twitter. He goes by the name of Desmond Ritter. 
And there's a reason why Luke Fickle has gotten a substantial amount of head coaching offers from Power 5 schools like USC. If the Badgers fire Paul Chris, the QB development at Wisconsin, Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle should be a Michigan Tiger right now. Ultimately, I think Luke Fickle is going to leave after this year because Desmond Ritter will be, will be in the draft, a.k.a. the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is my best fit for him. I love that for him. Or even the Atlanta Falcons, depending on where the Falcons are picking, because I was just talking about this with my friend the other day, is this is what a lot of teams do with their rookie quarterbacks, and this is what I don't want to happen to Desmond Ritter. Even, even Trey Lance with the Niners is a very, very good example. They throw their quarterbacks in a tough situation right away. Um, and with a guy that is not NFL ready or not ready to start day one. But Desmond Ritter has a 73.1 QB rating. He's thrown just two picks. He's got nine touchdowns. He's already over 1,000 yards. Through his first five games, and they play Temple this weekend, a team that is three and two, a team that is formerly coached by Mark Matt Rule, excuse me, quite a few years ago, turned the team around, made them a relevant team. But Cincinnati is the top five team in the country, and you know if there's one if there's one game that they struggled, but came back, it was against Indiana. And Indiana, to me, is such a weird team because Indiana didn't lose a lot of guys. Ty Freifogel put himself on the map last year after, you know, him and the rest of that Indiana offense exposing the defensive backs in the secondary of the Buck of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Cincinnati won 24-13. And Notre Dame was the ninth-ranked team in the country. Desmond Ritter went 19 for 32, 297 yards, and two touchdowns, 78.7 QB rating. This is what I always tell people. Desmond Ritter reminds me of a very much, much more polished Cam Newton. He is mobile. He is a big-bodied quarterback. He's got incredible arm strength, and he's a guy that really, really knows how to adapt under pressure and use his athleticism to his advantage. Desmond Ritter is one of the most exciting quarterbacks to watch in this draft class he's in my top five i've currently got him at four now actually i think i had him at four or five because i made the list <laughs> yeah last night but anyways cincinnati's playing temple and they're the top five team in the country so if you really think about it cincinnati is on the verge of being in the top four next week because you have a three and a four team playing against each other. And the loser of that will most likely move down. And it seems very likely that if Penn State loses, or excuse me, if Iowa loses, depending on by how much they lose by, we could see Iowa drop just a spot. And we could see Penn State and Cincinnati flip. So... I think Cincinnati is going to win this game in fashion. And I put this one on Twitter because Derek Stingley Jr. is out indefinitely with a foot injury. A guy to watch out for now is Ahmad Gardner. I think he could put himself in the top three, um, a top three corner. Derek Stingley's out indefinitely. His stock's going to drop. I don't think he'll, his stock will drop by that much. He'll still be a top 10 guy. Um, depending on the severity of his injury, he's still going to be a top 10 to top 15. He'll be drafted in the first half of the first round come April for the 22 draft. 
But Desmond Ritter, to me, this is a game where he can really, really show off his skills, his athleticism, his arm strength. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of accuracy issues last year, but he's really, really, really grown on that this year. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, including myself, were a little bit surprised that he stayed back a year. Boy, is that worth it for him now, because he is about to lock himself in as a first round pick. Um, again, I love him as the, I love him on the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but. Desmond Ritter for Desmond Ritter for the um, Cincinnati Bearcats is my draft prospect to watch. Now, let's go to defense. And the defense that I want to watch, or defensive prospect that I want to watch, I thought about picking him on Gardner, but I want to go over back to the, the, the team that I was talking about before, the matchup that I was talking about before. And I want to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, who might I be talking about? Now, I'll give you a hint. I recently talked about him. He's a 300-pound menace. That's correct. It's Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is 6'6", 330 pounds. He stayed back a year when he very well could have been drafted. He probably would have been drafted in the first two rounds. He was seen as a third-round guy last year. And now he's really, really put himself on the map. And like I said, they're going up against Auburn. A line that is good, but not great. And, you know, historically, I, I feel like Auburn's offensive line has been okay. They're really nothing to get, you know, excited about. But when you have a guy like Jordan Davis, who is a mountain of a man who stands at 330 pounds... You don't want to mess with Jordan Davis. And I, I saw a mock draft last week who had Jordan Davis on uh, going to the Buccaneers, which makes a lot of sense because you have Indominus Sue out. Jordan Davis is a day one starter. And they're playing the Auburn Tigers. Um, I don't think Jordan Davis gets out of this game without having at least one or two sacks. And... When I mean six or seven guys drafted, and I'll, this will fall right into the ending of this episode for the week, and that's going to be my QB1. <laughs> JT Daniels, man. JT Daniels, if you, and I say this because this, if you look at, if you look at all the other quarterbacks that are supposedly this top five or top five, top 10 talent, Sam Howell's not playing great. Granted, yes, North Carolina did lose a lot, but Sam Howell's not playing great. JT Daniels last year wasn't even the day one starter. They put Stetson Bennett as a walk-on who started. And then they brought JT Daniels in who had... JT Daniels saw limited action last year and still put up elite numbers. And my number two is Sam Howell. My number three is Matt Corral. My four is Carson Strong. And my five is Desmond Ritter. Now, Ritter and Strong are very, very close to me. Um, they're very close to you know being flip-flopped. My six is Malik Willis. Um, my seven, probably Akeen Slovis. I liked Jaden Daniels, but Jaden Daniels, ASU has been very disappointing as well. But when I say six, guys six or seven guys drafted in the first two rounds. I say this. We've seen like, I've seen like three or four mock drafts with four Georgia guys 
in the first round. And again, JT Daniels, I think, will be picked in the first two rounds. JT Daniels, I think, if you look at the history of Georgia quarterbacks, the Matthew Staffords, you know, um, the Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason, to me, deserves a shot. Carson Wentz hasn't been great. And now you go to JT Daniels. And, you know, if you look at the history and the, the scheme that Kirby Smart does over in Athens, to get guys, especially quarterbacks, ready for that level, to me, that is the best quarterback in the draft. Um, so that will do it. And thank you for joining me. We will see you later in the week. Excuse me, we'll see you next week. But stay tuned for Jeff's because Jeff's NFL pod will be posted before this one. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.